Welcome back to the Lawless Sports Podcast. I am your host, Casey Lawless, and this episode will mark the first episode in making this podcast weekly. A new episode will come to SoundCloud and soon other platforms every single Tuesday. It's going to be a big change because I used to make episodes when I wanted to, but I've noticed that the structure has always helped me succeed, and this will definitely be a contributing factor. So without further ado, it's NFL free agency time, baby. Let's kick things off first with the biggest signing of all free agency has to be the GOAT, Tom Brady, who had spent 26 seasons with the New England Patriots, and now he's headed to South Beach. Well, actually, Tampa Bay, but close enough. What does this mean for the NFC South, and how will that division shake up? We'll be on to that later. Then we will be breaking down my top free agency shocks not named Tom Brady. And to end things off, I will be giving my way-too-early standings predictions for all eight divisions in the NFL. Now let's get this thing kicked off the right way with my top five shocks of this free agency period. Number five is going to have to go to Teddy Two Gloves finding a home in Carolina. I think with all of the drama coming from Cam Newton's departure with a brand new head coach and in this half rebuilding kind of period for them, I'm just not sure exactly what it all means, but let me be clear about Teddy B. Loved him coming out of Louisville. He had a lot of breeze comparisons to me, so it's kind of poetic that he backed him up and he has proved to be a franchise caliber starting quarterback with a 22-12 career record under his belt. He has proved to be a winner, and with passing game coordinator from LSU Joe Brady coming down to Carolina, I think this move will pay dividends as Bridgewater is entering his physical prime. At number four, we have Byron Jones signing a monster deal with the Miami Dolphins to become the highest paid cornerback in all of football. This was definitely surprising because with all the speculations with Byron before he went out into free agency is that he wanted to go to a contender. The Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles were the two biggest teams in the rumor mill that would go ahead and sign one of the best top defensive backs in pro football. But lo and behold, the Miami Dolphins reached deep into their pockets to shell out a massive five-year $82.5 million contract. When Miami offered this deal to him, all he must have seen were dollar signs and completely forgot about championship aspirations. With Tua now becoming their franchise quarterback, we'll see if he can turn their losing ways around. Coming in at number 3, we have Todd Gurley going to the Atlanta Falcons. I love this signing for them because it is extremely low-risk, high-reward material. This is a one-year deal only worth about $6 million, meaning that they can opt out of re-signing him at the end of the year, and it won't affect their cap space for the 2021 free agency period. But on the complete flip side, he can return to an almost MVP-like form like he was in 2017, and he can add a huge dimension to that Falcons offense, one that they were hoping that they could get out of Devonta Freeman. Todd Gurley, when healthy, is a top five running back for sure and can maybe prove once again why he's one of the best backs in all football. And now, almost at the top, we are going to go to number two for my top two, top five free agency signings. We have Robbie Anderson. Now, hear me out before I get ambushed by hate or ambushed or anything like that. Let me talk about why this could be the most slept-on signing so far. The Carolina Panthers have completely revitalized that offense with Teddy B and now Robbie Anderson. You now have three incredible receivers with DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and now Robbie Anderson. It is going to be extremely tough to guard all three of those guys on a down-to-down basis. Not only that, but you have to factor in that Run CMC is in the backfield who was just named the Fantasy Football Player of the Year. If this offense is coached correctly by Joe Brady and Matt Rule, they will have hell to pay for every team that they go against this season. Finally, the craziest thing in my opinion to happen so far in NFL free agency, coming in at number one, it has to be the DeAndre Hopkins trade for David Johnson. This move was unexpected 
unbelievable and just so shocking that it makes no sense at all. The trade details were as follows that the Houston Texas traded DeAndre Hopkins in a fourth round pick in exchange for David Johnson, a 2020 second round pick and a 2021 fourth round pick. Now, if I'm a Texans fan, this trade makes zero sense to me because you guys are losing one of the best, if not the best receiver in all of football and are taking a possibly washed up, maybe a one-year wonder running back in David Johnson who won the 2016 Offensive Player of the Year award. But he also happens to be the third highest paid running back in all of football. This move just blows my mind. But I mean, wow, what a win for the Arizona Cardinals in this trade. Cliff Kingsbury has to be ecstatic that he was able to get this to go through. His new ret- receiving trio, including DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Legend, Christian Ch- Kirk, who looks really promising, and you can't even forget about guys like Annie Isabella and even Kenyon Drake coming out of the backfield. The amount of weapons for Kyler Murray has practically doubled out of the addition of just one superstar. Truly, the 2020 NFL Draft has been pretty incredible so far, and especially my Philadelphia Eagles taking Jalen Rager. A lot of unnecessary hate is coming this guy's way but, way, but I'm telling you, watch his highlights at TCU. He dealt with a lot of bad quarterback play. He's going to be something special, and I hope for sure. And then right coming after the pick after him, you had the 22nd pick with Justin Jefferson, who hopes to be their Stephon Diggs replacement. But I think my favorite pick overall of this entire draft was selection 28 by the Baltimore Ravens, and that was Patrick Queen, the middle linebacker out of LSU. I mean, in terms of value of the position, losing C.J. Mosley to the New York Jets and not really having an answer for it, and now you're able to get Patrick Queen, who could truly become one of their next possibly great middle linebackers in that front seven. It was truly a great pick for the position and to fill the need that they had in the middle of their defense. But I think, honestly... Just the most bang-for-your-buck pick has to be CeeDee Lamb going to the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you got to talk about now that this Cowboys offense is explosive. Well, it can be, but for some reason, they're just not able to put it together, and their offense has actually appeared to be more lackluster than not. But you have the addition of CeeDee Lamb, and now with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and a Zeke Elliott coming out of the backfield, will Dak Prescott finally come into his own and be the quarterback that he knows he can be and lead the Dallas Cowboys to the playoffs? Man, we're going to find out soon enough. All right, all right. Let's slow things down a little bit. So we're going to talk about my top 10 favorite picks from the NFL draft, mostly, of course, happening in the first round, but we'll see how this list projects and how it goes out. But I have to start off with my favorite pick of the draft. Very simply, it is the number one pick by the Cincinnati Bengals selecting Joe Burrow coming out of LSU. He threw 60 touchdowns, an FBS record in his Heisman Trophy winning season. He had five rushing touchdowns to go along with it. Man, when I turn on the tape and I watch this guy, I mean, we're talking about that game in September against Texas. or We're talking about when he was dropping dimes against Clemson in the national championship. This dude is going to be big time in the NFL because he has the confidence that you cannot teach the windows that he is able to get the balls thrown into. When I watch that game against Texas, there's a play in the red zone. It's third down. It's a money down. You're in the red zone. You need a touchdown. This man trusts his receivers to come across a drag route in the, basically in the corner of the end zone between four defenders. Most quarterbacks, like, 
don't even think about even making that throw. And the fact that Joe Burrow has the confidence in his arm and his arm talent has the arm strength, arm strength that I saw at Ohio State that I thought could have beaten out Dwayne Haskins to get that start. But Joe Burrow was able to make those throws. And I think that Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals, they found their guy that's going to lead them for the next 10 to 15 years. Andy Dalton is gone, or if he's there, he's going to be the backup because I do not see Andy Dalton starting the season for the Cincinnati Bengals. No shot. I think Joe Burrow, week one, we're going to see what he's all about in the NFL. And I can't even wait for the preseason just to see this guy in an NFL uniform, just to see what he's able to do. But as we go across to my favorite draft picks, I have to say that my number two, funny enough, happens to be the second pick, and that's Chase Young. The Washington Redskins, they got the best player in the draft, hands down. You think about when you're drafting in the top 10, you're thinking about this guy better be wearing a gold jacket when it's all said and done. This guy better be heading for the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. And I think that there's no player in this entire draft who shows me that more than Chase Young out of Ohio State. He had a few couple of games in the senior season where he didn't record a sack. And I think, honestly, that's when he went from the number one pick to the number two pick. But you talk about the athleticism. You talk about the the Jadeveon Clowney comparison. I mean, the thing that I even like about him more than Clowney is I feel that he's even more technically sound than Clowney. Clowney, in my opinion, he is an incredible player, but an incredible athlete, but he still has not truly figured it out at the NFL level yet where we've seen this monster coming off the edge. And I think Chase Young, day one right away, is going to be causing problems for my Philadelphia Eagles, as well as the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants as a Washington Redskin. I think that that dude is truly special. And I just see so much out of him. I'm seeing more Von Miller than I'm seeing Jadamian Clowney. The only reason people are going to that Clowney comparison is just because of his height and his weight and even the dreads, like his look, everything. He looks like a Clowney clone. But this guy, you want to talk about the technicals. You want to talk about the hand placement, the 3-4 technique. We're talking like this guy is truly going to be special in the NFL. And I'm so Sadly, I'm really excited to see him succeed, but I just wish he wasn't in my division, or even my conference for that matter. But then my third favorite pick in this entire draft has to be the Giants getting Xavier McKinney in the second round, the top of the second round at the 36th pick. I mean, I had this guy basically as basically my number one pure safety in this class. And the Giants were able to steal him in the second. I thought that this guy was going to be maybe a top 20 pick. And he somehow just kept sliding. And guys like Noah Igabinogany out of Auburn got in there. And Jeff Gladney got in there. And somehow like, oh my god, what's his name? AJ Terrell won the first round over a guy like Xavier McKinney. That's Those picks just made no sense to me. Because you got a guy like Xavier McKinney. He could play over the top. He could play in the box. He's their perfect Jabril Peppers, honestly. Just an upgraded version. Better over the top coverage. Better in the box linebacker style. Great tackling. Good hit power. Enough at that safety position. The Giants absolutely got a steal in the second round. And as I'm, you know, looking through all these picks... I see my favorite pick, definitely most bang for your buck pick, has to be Patrick Queen in Baltimore because he's just truly special and he's going to be, as Lamar Jackson even put it, their next Ray Lewis Jr., as he said. But 
Patrick Queen, value the position. You have a needed linebacker, a needed inside linebacker. Baltimore glaringly needs one. And then Patrick Queen essentially fell right into their lap. I thought it was a perfect pick for them. Not only that, but I also love Cleveland taking Grant Delpit, another safety who I really like in this class coming out of LSU. Grant Delpit just, he reminds me a lot of Earl Thomas, just great ball skills, great way to play over the top, really playing that center fielder role who can make the tackle when he needs to, coming out of, coming in the box, playing as, you know, that fourth linebacker. Grant Delpit is someone who I really enjoyed watching a lot at LSU, and I think he's going to make a big-time impact. And I think maybe we're not the number five, number six, one of my favorite picks, but this is going to be a very unpopular opinion, but I absolutely love the Eagles taking Jalen Hurts, and here's why. Now, I agree, in the second round, it might have been a little too high on Jalen Hurts, but this guy was a Heisman finalist. All he knows how to do was win at the college level. He's a great runner. He's a great thrower of the football, great pocket presence, needs to work on his touch a little bit on his intermediate throws, you know, in between 9 and 16 yards, a little bit there. But in terms of just someone who has just a will, a grit to win, there's no one like a like Jalen Hurts in this draft, in my opinion, who just has that true just desire to win around him. And the Eagles being able to get Jalen Hurts, this is not a Carson Wentz replacement. There's not going to be a quarterback battle in preseason. Carson Wentz is the number one day starter in Philadelphia, hands down. But in terms of having a competent backup and maybe now having one of the best backup QBs in the league in Jalen Hurts, it makes me happy as an Eagles fan because Carson Wentz is... A top 10 QB when he's on the field, but how often is he on the field? Not enough. Even when he's playing at an MVP level, you just can't trust that he's going to be on the field every single week. And a guy like Jalen Hurts can come in, really kind of play in like a Taysom Hill role that Taysom Hill played in New Orleans. You know what I mean? Get him all over the field and trick plays, you know, to confuse the defense, have Wentz and Jalen Hurts on the field at the same time. Kind of what we did like 10 years ago when we signed Michael Vick. You know what I mean? When he was fresh out. And, you know, we brought in Michael Vick all the time. He used to line up at wide receiver to confuse the defense, and it worked a lot in certain packages. So, definitely a guy who I really like, and he's getting a lot of unnecessary hate. Jalen Hurts, I'm rooting for you, man. And I hope that maybe. After your rookie deal, you can maybe find a start somewhere else, not in Philadelphia, because I really want to see him start. And then we're coming in, I believe, at number seven. I absolutely love the pick by Buffalo to take A.J. Epineza. This was a guy who was a top 10 pick on almost every mock draft, like every mock draft 1.0, 2.0. This guy, A.J. Epineza out of Iowa, was like, yo, you got Chase Young, and then Epineza's right below him. So it just... Didn't under, I just didn't understand how he slipped so far and why teams like the Eagles, the Seattle Seahawks, even Buffalo, or well, no, I'm sorry, not Buffalo, but even the LA Rams somehow missed on this guy, AJ Ebenezer. This dude is going to be an absolute beast coming in a 4-3 package. He's a perfect 4-3 defensive end, hand in the dirt, forcing your lineman back into your quarterback's back. He might not get there, but I'm telling you, with every single quarterback pressure, he's going to make that quarterback make a terrible throw. And A.J. Ebenezer is definitely going to be an incredible player for years to come. And again, we're going to go back to the first round, though. And I have to say that one of my favorite picks in the draft, 
Again, he's in my division, but you got to go CeeDee Lamb out of Oklahoma going to the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, what a trio of wide receivers now for Dak Prescott, you know what I mean, to come into his own. You got to talk about CeeDee Lamb. He was number two in some people's opinions, the number one wide receiver in the class. He was my number two receiver in the class. I like Jerry Judy a lot more. He went to Denver. I thought that was a great pick for them. But CeeDee Lamb with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, it's going to give hell to pay to every single defense in the NFL, just like how I feel with Robbie Anderson, like I said, going to Carolina. That trio of receivers is absolutely deadly, and I think that those two teams made perfect decisions in getting their wide another wide receiver for the future. Now, the biggest shock of me this year has got to be the Green Bay Packers taking Jordan Love 24th overall. Now, with Jordan Love being drafted to the Green Bay Packers, it's basically the Green Bay Packers organization, it's their way of saying, this is going to be our guy for the next 15 years. And that's a slap in the face to Aaron Rodgers. Now, don't get me wrong. Aaron Rodgers is the same age now that Brett Favre was when Aaron Rodgers was selected. But you're telling me right now in the last 15 seasons, the Green Bay Packers have not taken a skill position player in the last 15 years in the first round. They have gotten Aaron Rodgers little to no help. They have basically undrafted talent at wide receiver, very similar to the Philadelphia Eagles. And you have guys like Alan Lazar and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Geronimo Allison. And, I mean, his only weapon is Aaron Jones. And, and yes, he was incredible. But Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback talent-wise in NFL history. And you need players on his side to allow him to show how good he can really be. I mean, you want to talk about on a down year for Aaron Rodgers last year. My man threw 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 4 interceptions and led Green Bay to 13-3. 13-3 with no weapons. Like 4.25 touchdown to interception, like to 1 interception ratio. Over 4,000 yards, like with no one to throw the ball to. I mean, he even said in a quote before the draft, he said, if the Green Bay Packers in the first round or in any round want to go and get a quarterback, then they have no shot of beating me out. And Matt LaFleur calls his bluff and takes Jordan Love, who might have the best arm talent in the draft. I mean, there is there is great quarterbacks in this draft, too. I talk about Loa, Joe Burrow, of course, but... Jordan Love is one of those players who can be really special if you give him a few years to really understand and learn the game and, you know, I mean, just tweak those, like, little meticulous things that make you become a great quarterback, like they did with Patrick Mahomes sitting him that first season, you know what I mean? So, Jordan Love is someone who has incredible talent, and I think he's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL, but this was not the pick for Green Bay. I mean... There were so many players that they could have traded up for or they could have drafted a wide receiver. There's so many great receivers they could have taken. I'm pretty sure Brandon Ayuk to the 49ers was still available. And it's just like, it's unbelievable that Green Bay has literally done nothing to help this man. They've done nothing to help this man whatsoever. And it's just unbelievable. I just don't understand what they're doing. 
And it's just, it makes no sense. Brandon Ayuk, by the way, just found out, was drafted the pick after Jordan Love. I mean, come on. Like, it's just unbelievable. Brandon Ayuk, an incredible playmaker, catches the ball in space, can make a lot of guys miss, and you could put him with Aaron Rodgers, and they could make magic happen. But now you're taking a guy who's not going to see the field for two to three years. Or what does this mean? There are rumors that Matt LaFleur is pushing Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay. That Aaron Rodgers is looking maybe to go into the Dallas Cowboys or rumors to the New England Patriots. You know, I mean, there's just so many different things swirling around right now. And you thought that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers were going to have a good relationship. You know, you hope that this was the pick that, you know, was going to like this first round pick was going to really help Green Bay go into the right future and like go down the right path. So Aaron Rodgers, that window is closing, but he could win another Super Bowl for them. And you just don't do that. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, that's a lot of negative stuff, but, you know, it's okay. But something really positive that I think is going to impact a team is Tom Brady to the Buccaneers. I mean, you could talk about his arm strength at this point in his career. I mean, if you noticed on almost like 80% of pass plays last year, they were between 1 to 11 yards. So like with the New England Patriots. So in that offense, you don't really need to stretch the field. I mean, of course, you saw like 10 years ago, literally 10 years ago, I mean, he was able to stretch the field and he had playmakers. And, you know, he had Wes Welker and that's when Gronk was a rookie and you had even guys like Randy Moss maybe in his last year. You know, people who could stretch the field. But now, I mean, they had guys like, I mean, just, Julian Edelman and Matt Lacoste and like, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, what's another one? I can't even think of their names right now, but like just not playmakers for him. But you put him in an offense with Cameron Brait, OJ Howard, Rob Gronkowski is back, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, two bona fide number one wide receivers playing on the same field. Like Tom Brady can really show that he's not going anywhere and there's a reason that he signed a two-year deal, and it's because he wants to continue playing the game of football, a game of football that he loves, and he's going to do it where he feels most comfortable, and that's with weapons around him. That's with teammates to really elevate his success even more, and that's to possibly bring Tampa Bay a Super Bowl, the first one since back when John Gruden beat the Oakland Raiders back in the early 2000s. Tom Brady can do that. Tom Brady can bring an energy to an organization that is just a winning culture. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of people like to speculate that Tom Brady was a system quarterback. Matt Castle looked good in Belichick's system. Yeah, don't get me wrong, but there have been... I've lived 21 years of life, and there have been plenty of times where I've seen Tom Brady make some of the most unbelievable and most spectacular plays in a clutch two-minute game-winning situation, and I've seen Brady do it, and I haven't seen anyone else like him do it. So yes, to be able to have the lead through the first three quarters, I have to admit, Bill Belichick is an absolute mastermind in the game of football. He's a defensive specialist first, 100%, but he just creates these passing concepts that are just basically unguardable, and Tom Brady has ran them to perfection, do not get me wrong, but there is no quarterback that I want in the NFL on any occasion, I don't care at age 41, I don't care at age 21, who I want, his name is Tom Brady, and I want him with the ball with two minutes left to win the game. There's no doubt. And now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a quarterback that they can trust. He's going to throw a third of the interceptions that Jameis Winston threw. Think about that. That's like, that adds up to like five to six more wins. That's a guaranteed playoff spot top of the NFC. Like, he's going to make Tampa Bay a serious contender. 
as long as Bruce Arians plays to Brady's strengths and as long as Gronk is back in playing shape and the running backs can have a little bit better, like have a better cohesive year, like Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones, you know, two good to okay running backs, but they haven't, either of them have not really breaking their stride or anything like that. So you hope that Tom Brady's just his sheer presence, just his sheer just ability just exudes through these players and just shows them how great that they can truly be. And I think that there's no bigger and better playmaker than Tom Brady in this league right now in terms of winning a championship. I mean, now I say playmaker and that's, you know, I mean, that can mean so many different things. You think of a guy like Julio Jones or you think of a guy like Patrick Mahomes or a Russell Wilson. Yes, they're playmakers, they're ballers, they're game changers. But you want to talk about a guy with the ball in the fourth quarter, two minutes down, you need 80 yards, a touchdown to win the game. You're telling your, you're lying to yourself if you're saying that quarterback is not Tom Brady. I can respect that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football, and I can even respect that Russell Wilson is the best quarterback right now, right now in the NFC, but you bring Brady in there, man, Drew Brees is not going to have it easy when he plays the Bucs again. You know what I mean? Like, he has had it. I'm not, and I, you know, I wish the best for Jameis Winston. Now Jameis Winston is the backup for Drew Brees. You know, I wish the best for him. I really do, but... As long as Drew Brees is there, Drew Brees is going to keep that starting spot. Who knows where James wants to go. But it's about Tom Brady right now. Tom Brady, you know, successfully in terms of championships, in terms of the accomplishments, in terms of the rings. Tom Brady is the greatest player in NFL history. And there's just no doubt about it. A lot of people like to say Jerry Rice. I don't even think Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver in NFL history. You want to talk about guys who struck fear fear into their DB's hearts, into their opponent's hearts. Talk about guys like Randy Moss. Talk about guys like Terrell Owens. Talk about guys who retired way too early like Calvin Megatron Johnson. You don't get that nickname for nothing. You get that nickname when you moss four defenders on a consistent basis. And you retire at the height of your prime because you're so good, but the franchise did not give you anything to play for. Nothing. Calvin Johnson deserved the world, just like Larry Fitzgerald, who his biggest downfall in his entire career has been loyalty. You talk about a guy who stayed in Arizona, waited for a Kurt Warner one-time year, you know what I mean? Who had the most unbelievable playoff run in any wide receiver's history. And then he was stuck playing for bums like you know what I mean? Like, he had a little bit of a run with Carson Palmer, but then he had, like, you know what I mean? Oh, my God, what's his name? Curtis Painter, and, you know what I mean? You throw Josh Rosen in there. I mean, you know, bless that man's heart, but I don't know what his career has for him, especially in Miami right now with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa, but hopefully Kyler Murray can get something out of Larry Fitzgerald last year or two. Larry Fitzgerald has announced that he's coming back for this year, but there are no guarantees on next season. There might not even be a guarantee on a next season with the way that this pandemic is controlling the world right now. And it's unbelievable that this virus has a just a, a chokehold on America and the rest of the world. And I just hope that everything that I'm even talking about is relevant come September because I want to have a football season because it's something that I look forward to every year. It's something I'm extremely passionate about, something I've loved my entire life. 
And I know extremely how extremely privileged I am to live in America and be able to even have this opportunity to talk about football and have this ability to talk to the people I love every single day. And, you know, I mean, I might sound like I'm talking about something that's frivolous and something that doesn't matter, but football is everything to me. So being able to talk about sports on a day-to-day basis, whether I am recording or whether I'm with friends or with my family, it's something that I cherish and love every single day. And I just really hope that I have a season to look forward to next year because that would be really disappointing if not. But I completely understand with health concerns and safety concerns and making sure that our players are safe and the GM and the coaching staff and everyone, I completely understand it. But it's really worrying and it's a really rough time right now. And I promise you, if you're feeling scared and weird in these times as a football fan, as a sports fan, as a human being, you're not alone. We're all going through the same thing. And I just want everyone to know that, you know, Sports, thankfully, is something that is an escape, and we can always look look to it and look forward to it and always have it in highlights and documentaries like Michael Jordan's The Last Dance. I've been watching that, and it's been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, it's been awesome. It's been the closest things that we've had to basketball since, I believe, March 11th was the last game, day before my birthday. But, yeah, dude, uh, I just really hope that we have sports and things to look forward to next year and i'm consistently talking shit about all my friends when i'm ready to whip their ass in fantasy football next year i just hope that i'm even able to do that so yeah that's all i have to say for this episode thank you guys so much for listening and i'll catch you guys soon peace